Well, hello, everybody, and welcome back to this week's episode of the My Love of Golf podcast. Thank you for choosing to join in wherever you are around Australia, around the world. Really do appreciate the time you take to listen to myself, my good man, Scott Carter, and we've got a very good friend of the podcast joining us tonight for a very special reason. We'll talk more about that in a second. Let's bring Scotty and Pult in, and uh, we'll catch up on all the goss on all the golf. Gentlemen, good evening. Welcome back to the Mile Love of Golf podcast. Uh, first go to you, Officer Carter, Scott Carter. You can find Scott Carter on Instagram at Officer Carter if you want to check out some of his work. Scott Carter, how are you? G'day, Roscoe. I'm good, thank you, mate. Thanks for having me back on your show. No, it's good to be here. Always. Lots you to talk about. The application process gets submitted every week and, um, you know, the board meets and, uh, you know, you get welcomed back with open arms. Somehow get welcomed back. No, I couldn't do it without you. Thank you very much. Um, and also a uh, very special guest to the podcast. He pretty much has been on board since day one. I always rabbit on, you know, make a sort of comment about 200 and something episodes, you know, five years, 35 episodes in the recording the back streets of Melbourne in a Nissan Navara. He's pretty much been here for every one of them and uh, unfortunately he's hung on to many words that uh, I've said, previous co-hosts have said, and he always is there and uh, that's why I love him. And that's why he's here because it's a very special week for Dave Poulton. Dave Poulton, welcome to the My Love of Golf podcast, not your first uh, radio on this podcast. How are you? Well, thanks, Roscoe. Thanks for having me. Uh, well, thanks for accepting the 7.5 minutes uh, of notice time to join us. No, it was a bit longer than that, seriously. It was at least a day or half a day we talked about it. Um, you're, here for yes. a, you're here for a very, very special reason. Not too many people on this podcast uh, get to share the reason why you're here. Not too many people in golf get to share the reason why you're here. Dave Poulton. Your stage is yours. Why are you here joining us? Why, why do we want to share? What do we want to share with you uh, this special week of your life in golf? I had a very good week. It's fair to say, yeah. We uh, we had our club championships at the um, at the course that I play at at Eastern in Melbourne, and I was lucky enough to get over the line and um, and take the win. So it was um, the last two weekends and yes, a lot of nerves sir. in between, and um, and got there, scraped over the line. Well Eastern. done, mate. Eastern Golf Club Club Champion 2024. Uh, it's not. It's the outright. It's off the stick. It's the scratch. It's the the bareback of golf. Um, well done, mate. Because I know there's a whole host of quality golfers out there. It's a it's a quality golf course. It's not with that. It's hard times. Last year, we know you lost your clubhouse, and uh, that's all you know, in the process of being rectified and rebuilt. And, you know, it's been a challenging time for the club. But uh, one thing, again, like this podcast, you know, you've been there since day one. Uh, Eastern Golf Club, you've been there for a long time and you've been a huge supporter. You, you, seem, mm. you seem like you're there every day. Um, mm. Mate, well done. It's a huge achievement to win a club championship. Uh, not many people get to do it. And uh, I've never, ever been close. And uh, you've done it. And um, congratulations. It must It must be very, very satisfying uh, feeling to uh, have signed off. Was it Saturday or Sunday did you finish up on? It was Sunday. So we played Saturday, Sunday the last two weeks. Yeah. Um, the Sunday of the first week was almost cancelled because um, 
because it got to 40 degrees out there. And um, if it was forecast the day before to get to 40, it would have been canned. So we we all teed off earlier in the morning and that was the black tea day. Wind got up, stinking hot, and there were no real good scores in that day. So that probably helped me out a little bit. I was leading after two rounds and then um, a young kid who's going to be a phenomenal golfer already is shot 66 on Saturday. And um, and I was one behind with a round to go and that's probably the best thing for me because I didn't have to lead and it was a bit of a free hit. So one behind to start last day and it took over five hours to play that last round. So, um, yeah, putts have been lined up from every angle, from everyone and behind uh, behind the ladies and DC and D grade. It was, uh, it was a long day out there. So your club does four rounds of stroke play. That, is that correct? Yeah, four rounds for the A graders, yep. the open. And then um, in men's, in the men's, and then it's three rounds for everyone else. So everyone else was Saturday, Saturday, Sunday, and you've got to qualify for that last round. Seems to be a bit of a mixed bag when you go through some clubs because there's still some clubs like mine that will have a match play finish to a club championship, and then some still do what I sort of grew up with being the traditional four rounds of stroke. Uh, I'm not sure if I have a preference. I probably just historically have used to four rounds of stroke, but, you know, I guess that some of the biggest stroke titles are settled with match play, so that seems to be a, a tradition as well. Uh, I like the four rounds of stroke, you know, it's it's every, every shot counts, so uh, I think that's a pretty much even greater achievement, especially when you're, you know, breathing down the neck of a young young gun, um, you know, you're shot back. Uh, I can see why you said uh, it it might have helped you with that mindset and mentality going in because all the weight of expectation would have been on uh, the young fellow and you just had to go out and, you know, hit your low-flighted, boring, and I mean not boring as in go to sleep boring, boring as in bore through the wind, boring um, low darts that you are famous for around the uh, northern suburbs of Melbourne. Um, What what, what did it come down to? Was it the last hole? Describe, take us through that last hole. Talk us through it. So the um, the week I shot I shot one under in the first round, well and that was a huge surprise to me. And then seventy eight on the Sunday in the heat and the wind. So I was leading by two, and I tried to get out to the course as much as I can, as much as I could in that week leading up to it. I emceed a wedding on Friday night. Don't recommend mm. um, the night before a big round and shot one over. So I was one behind uh, leading into it, and I hit four fairway bunker shots in the first five holes and was five behind after five holes. Um, I text the better half and said it's not going to happen this year and it was almost the release and let me have a go at it. And I was six behind in the net. So my focus was then switch onto the net and fight it out and still go for something. I didn't play great golf for the next hour or so. Um, I turned in 40 and then the back nine was pretty solid. A couple of birdies, a couple of bogeys. There was um, after 11 holes, we found out later, there were six of us within a shot. Mm. Um, birdied 12 and 13, bogeyed 15. 17th is a pathway up the hill. I was tossing up between clubs and left it into a bunker that's dead and scrounged it out and dropped a long putt. Might have been a 40 footer. And then the last hole was um, that low tee shot, and I had 190 in. Missed the green, then needed up and down to win it. Um, and then the young kid, Tanjal, again, he's going to be phenomenal. That's my last chance to win one while he stays there because he's. Mm. He's going to be off plus three by next year, plus four. Um, hit about a 20-footer that missed and then I had a 10-footer to win it, but it was down the hill, didn't want to run it past. So I definitely got lucky, um, got away with one, it felt like, and everyone else sort of made a mistake on those last six or eight holes and I just 
found a few greens, which was good. Mate, well, well done. I wouldn't consider you lucky. You put a hell of a lot of work into your golf and you take it very, very seriously. And, you know, there's you give a lot to the social media community. You know, that's how we know and love you and we've got to know and love you and now we know you more, much more personally and we like that. Um, but you give a lot into the community and I'm sure that you've had a lot of great messages and support from your plethora of supporters out there. Uh, and you were back at it Monday with your Monday questionnaires. Uh, we might talk about some yep. of the questionnaires, uh, questions that you run through and some of the, you know, the deep dive information that probably the marketing teams in the golf industry should be tuning into. You've got all of the answers in your back pocket there. Um, well done. Again, well done. Uh, 2024 Eastern Golf Club Club Championship. Club Champion. That's got a nice ring to it. And uh, did you get a cup? You know, did the... How do you how do you get your cup filled at the bar by everyone in the whole place? Oh, a few people were very very generous. Um, a few uh, quite a while after the round of golf, we get a plate. Um, so I had a plate for the A grade, and um, and that was great. And I have to find a spot at home to put that. But um, another bit of history was the women's had the youngest ever winner, um, Olivia Rossi Mel, who's I think seventeen, still a school kid, and she was leading by six, and that's his good to go to be rebuilt um it's just all the logistics and permits and everything so at the moment we're in a big marquee which i, I gather is similar to pk what you had for a while um so that's for the foreseeable future but that's big enough to hold us all they're still doing functions and events i would guess we're looking at two years before it's up and running and i think the build is going to be pretty much identical to what it was because the clubhouse was amazing um, apart from a few little minor tweaks but it's going to be pretty much the same footprint as what it was previously yeah uh, those demandable clubhouses, uh, I think when I first went into the one at Peninsula Kingswood, you know, it's that long ago now that you're, it's almost distant memory, can't remember it. I can't remember how many times I did or didn't sit in there, but you know what? The atmosphere was in there. All the members were in there. It was still drinks. Uh, you can get your food. You can same menu and all of that sort of stuff. Um, it was great. And you know what? Now when I sit there at the veranda like I was last night at eight o'clock after bearing the widest legs in golf history uh, at the course uh, on record um it, it was so long forgotten about because everyone wants to know uh, had some people there that never been there everyone wants to know what was it like where was it how long did it take I can't remember so it'll happen really quick and everything will be fine uh very good okay that's the update from you young man uh, well actually, oh, sorry Roscoe far I, away. I got w- w- one more question we can't go much further without mentioning and um Pulse, did uh, you have something else pretty good happen in the last couple of weeks? Like, did did you have a hole in one in oh. between those championship rounds in that week where you were practicing? Is that what I'm putting together? My apologies. Yes. My apologies, yep. David. So oh I got challenged. I got challenged at the start of the year to keep all my par three stats on Instagram. And I thought that's easy to do, so I do that. And then I thought, linked with the par three, I know that Ross just decided he was going to have a hole in one. It took a few years. Um, and also Stu Kerr, who's a friend of Ross's down in New Zealand, I believe, just said, I've written it down and I've thought about it. It's just going to happen and he could picture it. And I thought, why not? I had one in 1999. It was a 205-metre hole at Karamburra, which was straight down a hill. I thought that's long enough to go in between drinks. So I went out on Thursday night and I had about an hour. So one change I made leading up to Club Champs was that I wasn't just going to hit balls off a mat. I was going to play holes and my mate Triso out at the club has gone from five to one and a half handicap because his practice is now playing holes and putting real things into practice. So I played as many holes as I could with the long days and then would just chip, wouldn't hit a ball on the range, especially if I'm at, just trying to play. So I had our little 
uh, course has a lot of layouts that can get you back to the clubhouse. So I was going to do one, six, seven, eight, nine. And I did one and made a par, and then I did six, which is a par three slightly downhill. I thought, oh, it's right at it. But I didn't quite hit my seven iron well. And um, and the shadow went straight across the hole. And I thought, oh, I can't see it. And I haven't hit it well enough to go 15 past it over the green. And on the fifth green adjacent to me, there was a guy who I didn't know going nuts. He was saying, it's in, it's in. So then I thought, oh, I should take a bit more notice and took a video walking down and it was in. And I didn't play the last three holes. It just um, <laughs> was too excited and took photos and the guy from the fifth came down. So, yeah, it's happened. It was my 79th attempt for the year. I've kept all the stats. And, um, yeah, maybe try and manifest the next one now. Oh, well, mate, if you wouldn't mind sharing them around, I, I, I've never actually had one, so I'm trying to manifest one myself. You wouldn't mind sending me a, a bit of that juju. It would be great. But did the oh. guy on the field actually see it? He said he heard it hit the pin and turned around and then he yelled out, the ball's not there, it must be in the hole. So, okay. Um, All right. Well, so I guess that might scrape in as somebody seeing it. Yeah, yeah, just <laughs> there's an asterisk on it. But I, yeah. I did send it to Jamie as well and he was um he was pretty happy about it. But I, I just following on from watching the Stu video and listening to Ross a few times, they both just sort of said the same thing. I'm just gonna I'm gonna have one. Um and I took that approach and whether you believe it or not, it turns out it turns out rather than just going, Oh, I hope I hit the green, there was a bit more of a focus on some of them. Um yep. Took awesome swats five weeks. Of saying it, so there you go, Scott. Five weeks from yes. now, I reckon. Yeah, well, I mean, fair to say, I've been doing it for more than five weeks now, but I, but let, I will restart the clock now. That is that is a good point. Yeah. Yep, restart restart the clock. Um, what a week, mate! What a couple of weeks of golf. Congratulations, so good. Thank you. Thank uh, you. Well, well done, uh, Scott. It can happen. If it can happen to me after 1987, now some people still don't count that as having a hole in one because it didn't happen in the most of the people that we talked to here hasn't happened in the lifetime that they were born they say it doesn't count well it counted for me a little kid from Cessnock you know the players that I was with went nuts but I didn't <laughs> think it was going to happen but then I started thinking well I'm just going to hit every shot that I get at a par three I'm trying to hit it at the hole doesn't matter where the pin is I'm not going to play for any safety I'm just going to try and hit it at the hole and um Usually, Mr. Green, or yeah, you know, it messed up more than it when, than it worked out. But I definitely uh, had that in my back of my mind, and um, I nearly never had a witness. So I chastised him when I congratulated you. I said, "Chris Day, that makes two holes in one you haven't seen mine and Dave Poulton's." <laughs> um, but Chris Day, good day over there in uh, in the states. I had head in his bag, you know, fumbling around for his fresh Pro V one um, after nearly knocking one in the water as I was holing out. Uh, it's a great feeling. Uh, well done. Uh, well done. Um, Scott, uh, any golf for you to report? I've had a bit of golf. I've lowered my handicap in the last uh, 56 hours or so. I'm pretty happy with myself. Have you? Yeah, I have. Oh, well done, mate. No, I, yeah. I played on – actually went out on Saturday night, a um, bit of Twilight Golf, first time I've done that for a little while. So that was uh, a lot of fun just by myself and had the music going and um, at sunset there on a very hot day. So it was got 18 holes in in, what, two hours and 45 minutes or something. So – that was good fun, just hitting a few shots and mucking around and um, out again there tomorrow at Spring Valley, 8.30. So looking forward to that, off the blue tees tomorrow, so a bit longer. Regular. That should be fun. Regular group? Is it, you know, you got lined uh, up any special special guests? No, not not intentionally, but actually uh, I think it's one of the other young, young kids at the club who's uh, also very, very good 
um, is down in the group. So I haven't played with uh, Niv before, so that'll be good to play with him. I heard a lot about his game. So, uh, so yeah, no, that'll be good. Uh, Pultz and Scott, uh, we need to have the Flanagan farewell tour round. Uh it's a it's an official tour at the moment. Um, uh, that's the only round only rounds of golf. Are you getting get. OWGR points for this, mate? Uh, I, should, tour. I should be getting something. Um, no, the only, it seems to be the only golf that I can fit in with everything else that seems to pile up when you're moving overseas in a month's time. Um, is to try and fit golf in my goodbyes. There's no goodbye parties. It'll just be goodbyes around rounds of golf. Uh, I started that off with some of the Peninsula people. Um, had Sam Doherty. You guys know been a very good and long-term friend of uh, Sam, you know, basically since the start of the drummer golf store, we joined him at PK, had that round with him when he was ill coming back out of lockdown. You know, I've got a lot of good memories playing golf with Sam, um, watched him play some very, very ordinary golf and some very, very good golf. So Sam and I had a hit. He brought a couple of his uh, lads down, uh, Jack Silvani, who's uh, unfortunately out for the year. He's going to have an operation on his knee, but uh, he could still get around and play some golf in a cart. And a young fella, Ollie Hollands, great young fella. We had a round of golf. Um, I did I did have two over par, 39 points. And for me, that was important because you know that I was coming off the world's worst round of golf at Peninsula Kingswood with those guys that I was with the other week. Uh, I didn't think I could ever come back from the embarrassment of playing the world's worst round of golf. But uh, something happened and it seemed to work. And then uh, another round of golf on Sunday, again, with some people that I uh, wanted to say goodbye to. Wasn't too bad, wasn't as good, but uh, really enjoying it. Um, I don't know what's working, but, uh, you know, the ball's hitting the fairway, some shots are hitting the green, some putts are going in. I uh, had to find, go back to the saw grip. I uh, started playing with the normal grip, had to bend that, go back to the saw, all good. Um, so you and you two guys, uh, we will definitely play uh, golf before I go. We need to fit that in in the next month. Yep. Sign and me up. We'll try Sounds and make perfect. It, yeah. Try and make, we'll, we'll make that happen. Um, but, yeah, very good. Uh, and shout-out to Mick Squires, Dan Maudsley, who we obviously know on the podcast, Dan Maudsley more so, had a round of golf with those guys at PK, first round of golf that they had at PK last night. Uh, it was great, uh, other than the fact that it was 87 million degrees. Uh, yeah. It was just beautiful. It's just the best place to be as the sun's going down out there. So it was nice to show a couple of people what I think is one of the best golf courses that I've ever seen. Um, so we'll try and do a bit more of that. Uh, there was a bit of golf over the last week. Uh, I did watch a little bit of golf, um, surprisingly, uh, if you want to talk about it. Someone said you've got to watch more of it. Um, so <laughs> we, we watched a bit of golf and uh, enjoyed it. Um, I enjoyed What did you watch, Roscoe? Well, I watched Let's the end. start there. What did you watch? No, well, I watched the end of um, the Waste Management. Mm. You know, the, Is it the, bloody exciting? The behaviours of the crowd um, and all of the hoo-ha that went with that sort of piqued my interest and attention. Didn't really see anything by the time Sunday uh, came around um, for the reasons where they cut alcohol, stopped people coming in, you yeah. know, whatever happened. But it was fairly messy. I don't know if you want to talk about that before the result. But, you know, the result, the last few holes and the playoff, uh, I, didn't, I didn't mind. I didn't mind. I think Nick Taylor's a fantastic golfer. You know, he beat our Tommy with sinking that 87 million foot putt at the uh, Canadian Open. He's a Canadian. He won that. Yep. And he didn't He didn't miss a putt. Like he was like six under the last five holes and he was yeah. ultra clutch in that. And he I think, was. I think he deserved, uh, deserved the win. Um, schools that for me on uh, uh, Charlie, uh, Charlie Hoffman. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. 
I mean, I think we definitely talk about Nick Taylor and his win a little bit more in detail before we talk about the uh, the shenanigans that went on. But um, I mean, as you said, Roscoe, he won the Canadian last week, uh, last year in in dramatic fashion. He's he's won again in dramatic fashion. He, um, I really loved hearing him talk about how last year at this event he played in the final group with John Rahm mm. and Scotty Scheffler and and held his own and really took a lot of confidence from that. Um, was able to take that confidence into RBC and and then you know for the last twelve or so months really draw on those experiences and and he talked about doing that on Sunday and. Um, Geez, he was absolute nails, wasn't he? Like he, the, the last six approach shots, he all he hit all to within fifteen feet. You know, made five, turned five of those into birdies. He clutched birdie on the seventy second. You know, from the rough, mm. draining that ten footer. Um, you know, then another fifteen footer on the playoff hole, um, and then I think the third one to win was was an eleven footer, but. But yeah, his sequence was birdie, birdie, par, birdie, birdie, birdie to win it in those last holes, as you said. So, yeah, I mean, he's he's a great player. It looks like he definitely is one of those guys that just has it and and can stand up in those those big moments. Um, I'm excited that he's going to be part of that international team for the Presidents Cup this year. That is for sure. Get him in that squad in Canada too. So uh, in Canada, yeah. yeah. Fantastic, yeah. That putty, that putt to win, like it was, didn't look like missing. It was, it was, might might have caught a little bit of left edge or whatever edge it caught, but it was, you, you just knew that it was going to go in. Did his, in regulation play, that uh, approach from the rough, was it his ball that bounced through the bunker and then popped out? Was it his? I think it, I think it was. Yeah, I think he was just in front of the bunker. I think it went into the bunker and then popped out or something like that. Got, into the rough. Yeah, into the rough. I could be wrong, right. but um. Oh, it was it was fantastic. Uh, yeah, Charlie. Yeah, playing on a career money earnings, um, I guess exemption this year after uh, not having the greatest of last couple of years. Waste management. It's his sponsor's home event. You know, he turns up in the green, green glove, green shirt. Love the green glove. Does all of it. You like the green on green? Love it. Good. Love it. Bit different. But, yeah, I mean, credit to him, though, Roscoe. He shot 64 in that final round. I think he hit 16 out of 18 greens. Like, he was playing great golf too. So um, shows that he's not just a one-round wonder, as we've seen over the years with uh, Charlie Hoffman. But, um, but yeah, just got out-muscled by, by Nick Nick Hardy there at the end. So, um, oh, sorry, Nick Taylor. So, yeah. I, I think it was difficult you know i was trying to put my old man's hat on now i'm not comparing myself to charlie but he did have the big sort of vibratory back massaging back heat pad on keeping everything going i grunt that it was cold over there the weather was i don't know if it was unseasonally but it was pretty cold in that part of the country uh yeah look cold it would have been difficult for him after stopping having to go to the range uh, with Nick Taylor just having the momentum, just basically signing his scorecard and then getting back out there and trying to get the playoff done, you would have to think that the momentum and that ascendancy was on Taylor's side given uh, in that moment. Um, yeah, I I would have been stiffening up uh, <laughs> thinking about it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, I mean, a few other highlights. Uh, Sam Burns shot a 64 in that final round, so it looks like he might be clicking into gear. Um, Sahith obviously loves that place. He he had another solid week. Just unfortunately couldn't um, couldn't get it get it done again. Um, Jordan is up there again. You know, Mavin McNeely and Jordan at T six. Um, Adam Scott starting to show some form at T eight. Um, 
you know, our man JT. JT, he's coming good, Roscoe. I think this means he's officially in form. Is that I had fair? him in the uh, I had him in the teepster. It looked pretty good there for one stage. I was getting it excited. Did. Mm. It, well, did. it Look, it the, did. that if you look at the top twenty, you know, down to top seventeen in that leaderboard, you know, they're names that we know pretty well. Uh, we talk about them week in, week out. Even Doug Gim, you know, he's, he pops up there more often than not. We don't probably talk about Doug Gim very often, but he's, he's there about. But uh, Fitzpatrick, Shank, Tom Kim, Harris English, Hoagie, Keith, Killer Keith, Siwoo, JT, heaps of good yeah. names. Cameron Young, another great uh, yeah. another great player. Um, but Scotty Scheffler, you know, like his previous winner. Uh, he's got the Scheffler. worst putting stats in the history of golf. Is it official yet or what's the story there? Mate, it's, I mean, it's another example where if he could just part all, uh, you know, as good as the rest of the field and maybe a shot better, he would have been in, he would have won it or been in the playoff. Um, he had 11 birdies in his first 16 holes on Sunday. Roscoe started on the eighth, the eighth hole of his round, third round and was just on fire. And his putting actually wasn't that bad for the first few rounds, but then halfway through round four, it just, it just went cold. Um, you know, he, he actually gained shots on the field in putting stats for round round one, two, and three. So um, then he lost nearly two shots in round four alone. So, and that's after he birdied, you know, what, five of the first 10 holes or something. So um, absolutely crazy inverse stats here. Like he gained nine shots on the field approach to green for the tournament nine shots (laughs) like he's such a good ball striker he hits the green almost every time um and as i said if he could just putt he would have won or at least been in the playoff but i was just having a quick look at like the putts that he missed roscoe so on the way home so on the ninth he missed a 10 footer for birdie on the 13th as par five he had a three putt par um and missed a four footer for birdie Four-footer mm. for birdie. He mm. missed a seven-footer on 14, another five-footer on 15, and 17 feet on, you know, 17 and thereabouts again on 18. So, I mean, you've got to, you've got to think that uh, most players, most of those two players are going to make, you know, the four-footer, the seven-footer, the five-footer, and he's made three birdies and he's in the playoff. So, yeah. I think it's about 50-50 from eight feet if you look at stroke gain. It's about that eight feet mark. But I wouldn't – there'd be a lot of players I'd trust before him. I was just wondering when you were talking there, Scott, is he doing anything different to try and snap out of it? Is it worth him trying a mallet putter or something that's completely different? Like it's obviously in his head. He's a phenomenal ball striker, probably hits more greens than anyone. What could he do? Um, maybe your chat with Jamie last week. Like a different approach. Something has to tweak. Yeah, I think he tried a different putter at one point, like earlier in the year, maybe or late last year or something. He he was out with a different putter, but then he's moved back to his old putter. So I reckon you're right, Paul. It's it's all in his head. And it almost, you know, wouldn't surprise me if he's actually fighting the thoughts in his head that, that, uh, no, it's not a problem. No, it's not a problem. No, it's not a problem. Like convincing himself um, when clearly, you know, try something different. Like, let as you say, try a mallet. Try left hand low. I, I I don't know. Like, there's a obviously a million different ways that you can try and putt the ball. I wonder if he's trying those at home. And maybe that's the issue. There's too many thoughts going on. He said, but if your thought when you're about to putt a ball is, I don't want this to go wrong, rather than focusing on what could go right, there's enough doubt 
in your oh. head that it's probably going to go wrong. If you say yeah. don't hit a left, I'll tell you where I'm going to hit it. Exactly. Yeah, we, you, you're right, mate. We spoke a, bit, a little bit about this with Jamie Glazier last week and, and I know I don't mind saying to everyone, I, I stand over a three or four footer and um, and just about like throw up you know, being nervous and convincing myself I'm I'm going to miss it, or you know, just those bad thoughts that go through my head. So, um, definitely looking forward to putting some of those strategies in play tomorrow that Jamie helped with last week. But, but, but yeah, I, I, it would not surprise me if he's having similar thoughts standing over those four, five, six footers. Here's my thought on putting, and it's not relevant to Scotty Scheffler, but I'm not comparing to Scotty Scheffler. Terrible putter I am, yeah. If I catch. Captured stats, it'd be awful. It'd be number of three putts I have per round, but I seem to have a a decent number of one putts from those distances that challenge you and challenge him. But my longer putting, and it's more of a reflection of my wedge play, not being close enough, clearly not his problem, but I leave myself a lot of longer putts. And I got to the stage last week, playing on Friday, where I had no idea no idea of where the ball was going to end up after I hit the putt. And it was really scary proposition. Like I was literally standing there doing everything that you've talked about, standing there going, I don't know where the ball's going to end up. I don't know how to hit this putt to get it within a reasonable distance. And I kept doing it because I'm a real stickler for wanting to putt conventionally. I don't like changing left hand low and all this other stuff, but I could start to feel stuff in my hands. I, I could feel extraneous movements. I could just feel it. And I thought something's got to give. And I've been through this process before. I usually change it between rounds. And I just started putting with the left hand sort of, um, what do you call it, the saw grip, which I've done in the past. Then all of a sudden the ball started rolling end over end. You know, I use a line. I use a chrome tour. It had three lines on it. The ball started rolling end over end. You could see it not wobbling. You could see my hand not making it wobble and the balls have started tracking towards the hole and getting to the hole and going past the hole and the ones coming back were always and it just had to change something and as soon as I felt one putt and saw one putt roll comfortably by using the saw grip all all of that stress went away it's like okay I'm, I've, I'm back I've got this Again, I can't speak for Scotty Sheffield. I've got no idea about the guy, but there must be something going on like that. And if you're out there worried about your golf, if you've got a tremor in your putting grip and you haven't tried anything, try something different. Don't be afraid of it. It may not work, but try something and change that whole psycho, you know, mental connection to your hands and your putting and the whole anxiety over it because it might just be the thing that helps you have two or three less three putts. Imagine what that's going to do in your score over the course of two to three months worth of golf. It's got to help. It's got to help. Anyway. And also the number, the number of greens he hits, the proximity to pin for the average golfer would be quite large. But he hits, he just seems to, those numbers you were talking about before, Scott, he seems to knock down every pin. He has that mm. many more looks at it. Yeah, I just wonder if there's there's a slight tweak. I don't know if he uses a line to line it up or something or or whatever, but it just seems to be the same old Scotty. Like when he won the Masters and he four-putted the last green, I think it's yeah. about like the, the phenomenal run of not finishing yeah. outside the top 12 for months, but what he could be doing. His ball striking seems to rival Tiger at his best, apart from the flat stick. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't think I don't think he's won since, um, was it this event last year? Like, like it's coming up to a decent amount of time. I mean, he's had... He's had so many top fives and whatever, like that. He's uh, he's keeping that number one ranking by a long by a long way, but uh, I don't think he's actually had a win for a little while now. Mm. Just checking that. 
Now, someone else who hasn't had a win for a while, yes, Roscoe, is Luke Donald. He, he missed the cut, so he completely wasted everybody's time there in that event. No, <laughs> no but he missed the cut, mate. But Bads.com came T28, just to round out the Aussies and uh, and the Kiwis. Foxy, T41. Mm-hmm. Minwoo Lee, T71. Um, are we a bit short-staffed in the kitchen there this weekend um, for the chef? Well, you wouldn't but, want to, you uh, wouldn't you wouldn't have won a uh, Western Australian style Palmer anywhere in uh, that part of America because all of the chefs were out on course <laughs> supporting Min Wu. <Woo>. Uh, <laughs> we'll, we'll we'll cover that part in the um, you know if we talk about a little bit about the behaviour. I'm conscious of not going an hour and forty five like we did last week. Uh, thanks to the couple of people that gave us some feedback, positive and negative. Uh, all feedbacks welcome at this podcast. Um, but Teepster. Uh, you started to mention a bit of a rundown. How do we go with our teaster results? I know I went poorly. I had my first uh, duck, uh, courtesy of Ricardo Fowley. Speaking of ducks yep. and fowl, uh, Ricky was very fowler, um, gave me nothing. Um, don't know why I tipped Ricky, but I did. Uh, what else happened in the teaster no. results, well, Scott? We had we had no one pick a winner uh, or second place get a Charlie Hoffman, surprisingly, um, but... We had eleven people pick Scotty Scheffler, including myself, Roscoe. So I did. Uh, I did clean up there this week. Uh, we had five people pick Sam Burns as well. So uh, everyone pocketed there at the five twenty six k or something like that. But so um, yeah, we've got Carl Groters. Is uh, I'm going to keep. I'm going to say that name wrong every week, aren't I? Uh, Groters. Um, Carl, Carl G. Carl, Carl G. Carly G in the house. If you're listening, can you, can you just give us a voice note on the Instagram saying this is how you pronounce it? You know I'm big on the pronunciation. Pulch is a massive supporter of my pronunciation of Ludwig Oiber. Uh, I've shared that voice note to a million pillion people. Uh, so, Carl, if you could send me a little voice note and I can share it with the listeners how we get your surname correct, really appreciate it. Um, sorry. Public service announcement over. Yeah, Kali G. Yeah, no, no, Kali G. So 3.8. So he's uh, 1.7 ahead of Darth Vader, D Vader. Ben the Hack, uh, not far behind D Vader with 2 million and 61. Um, Lee, 11.49 in fourth place on 1.666. And then Jamie Woolley rounds out the top five. He's on 1.5. So that's the top five. We're still very early in the season, Roscoe. I'm very happy that I get Scotty Scheffler mm. uh, again and that – I love that new rule, so we'll get to it in a second. But I'm actually going to double up on Scheffler, but I'm going to go back to back weeks of Scheffler and see if we can see if we can get a win here at uh, the Genesis. Back to back. Well, just a reminder: if you're wondering at this stage, if you don't play Teeps and you're wondering what all this pratter is about, it's a Teeps the tipping comp. You can get it in the link, the link in bio on the My Love of Golf Instagram page. I think it's on Ross Flanagan Golf Instagram as well. There's a link there that'll take you through the entry page of our Teepster. It's our very own comp. There's a hundred and something names in there. There's probably 70 active players. Uh, it's not too late. There's 20 million on the line uh, this coming week at the Genesis being a signature event. Eight people, no cut, 20 million, heaps of prize money. With one pick, you could get back up to the top of the uh, leaderboard. Still very early on. I'm chasing that elusive uh, one pick. I'm behind where I was last year. I'm keeping better stats on stuff last year's performance versus my own golf. Um, so I need to do some stuff. But as you just mentioned, you've got – Top five, if you pick a top five, you get to reuse that player. So that's why, Scott, you're going double down on the uh, chef into uh, uh, Riviera this week. We'll come back to that in a second. Um, yeah, okay. Well done to all the teams, Uh Please keep playing. Love it. What about uh, some of the other goings on around there at the uh, the waste management? 
well, blokes with their shirts off. It was out of, it's got out of hand, hasn't it, Roscoe? Yeah. I mean, like, as you said, they stopped serving beer on Saturday at midday. Um, they, they stopped letting people in. Apparently there was half a million people on the ground at midday Saturday. And so I, I watched some reel from a guy who was working there and apparently they just started letting people in without checking tickets. It was a free-for-all at the bar. It was a free-for-all in the VIP areas and people were just like going crazy and we had – Lots of things happened throughout the week and especially on the weekend, but we had little like my hero, Zach Johnson, not my hero, Zach Johnson, our hero, our team rider, cup captain. Um, Zach Johnson getting a little bit narky with the crowd. We had Billy Ho getting a little bit narky with the crowd. Jordan was upset at someone talking in, yelling out in his swing and he stuck it to 15 feet. Um, we had guys running down the muddy embankments with no clothes on. We had guys jumping in the bunker and just about breaking their neck on the 16th. It was um, insane. Fights breaking out, urinating in all sorts of wide open vantage points. A cup snake that puts the MCG crowds back in the 90s to shame, I reckon, Roscoe. Um, that was a very, very impressive cup snake. But it it was just a debacle. But I've got to say, mate, I think the tour has – uh, brought this on themselves. Like th- this, this event has been let go, and pe- they've they've embraced this atmosphere and encouraged it, um, and it's gotten out of hand. And I don't know. Part of me thinks, in this whole you know conversation with live doing party holes, and there's always the comparison, and um, you know, part of me thinks, oh, they've just said, oh, well, let let's just yeah, just let it go. Let's push it out as far as we can. Um, well, I, I reckon that they saw how far it could go on the weekend and, and it really wouldn't surprise me if players don't bother going back there next year um, and the event really loses its, loses its uh, you know, its, its um, reputation or, or just, yeah, it, it's, I mean, it's been a fun event. It's just got out of hand. It's interesting human behaviour. You know, alcohol is obviously at the root cause of all of those behaviours. But it's just interesting to compare. Now, I guess you can't compare Live Golf Las Vegas with what we saw. And I didn't see a lot, no. but I saw a little bit. There wasn't that – didn't seem to be heaps and heaps of people there. They had their party hole. It was nothing in comparison. It was probably nothing in comparison to Adelaide, if truth be told. But, um, you know, when you reflect on the only comparison I've got is Adelaide, where there's a lot of people – it just seems to be – it just seemed to be – the party hole was a party hole, you know, and there's plenty of corporates and there's plenty of people around, nowhere near the waste management level. That's insane and obviously compounds the problem. But in terms of the players and their players' response and the behaviour of the crowd and all that, the music pumping from the start sets the tone and everyone knows what they're dealing with. And I think the music sort of placates the the atmosphere a little bit. You know, the people are there to have a good time and they accept that there's this music going on and – um, mm. The players accept there's music going on. I just think it makes people behave in a better way. Uh, it probably doesn't make a lot of sense what I'm saying, but the music going on, so sort of people just relax a little bit and they bop to the music a little bit and had their fun and but it was fun. Yep. And it seems like in that environment where everyone has to be quiet and you're told to be quiet and, you know, there's a bit of noise on the party hole, but everywhere else you've got to behave, it's like a recipe for people wanting not to behave and just get drunker mm. and, and create some level of disruption and atmosphere and that becomes the entertainment. I'm not saying put music onto that event and pump music out there so, you know, everyone goes into a zen-like music trance, like trance music state. 
But you know, yeah. uh, you know what I mean. Like it's as if it's it's gone too yeah. far. I don't. How yeah. do you pull it back? How do you pull it back? You know, you, you just have to. I, th- I reckon Scott is spot on. I reckon they've encouraged it by promoting it and sort of um, highlighting the crowd behaviour to the point where every year it's getting worse and worse. And the amount of coverage on the crowd rather than the golf this year, especially around sixteen, has been huge. And I reckon, again, you're right players will stop coming to this event, even though it's worth a bit of coin to them. Can't imagine Billy coming back or Zach Johnson. Um, the younger guys might enjoy it a bit more, but I don't think you're going to get a full field there next year. They'll work it into their schedule that that's a week off to focus on the Genesis and be prepared for it rather than have to deal with all that. Yeah. I wonder how many of the young guys um, do enjoy it, Pulse. Like I like I, I can see, I can see why, you know, that they might, like, but I can also see them going. You know what? Screw this! Like, yeah, guys, I mean, the, the drinking, the cheering, and the, the 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 you know, the party atmosphere is one thing, but there's stuff in in between shots and what they're saying to the guys and and the the kind of abuse that they're getting on the sidelines is, um, I don't I don't reckon is a good enough trade off for them. You know, like it's just not worth it. I, I can't imagine. Um, yeah, I can imagine lots of guys opting out of it next year. It was a signature event last year, so um, I doubt that it'll rotate around to a signature event again. I reckon there might be a bit of uproar if they do next year, make it a signature event and make people go because um, I reckon a few of those guys won't want to go at all. Yeah. So the right. blow it apart, reset the recipe for that event, um, leave it as is, put more controls over it and expect that Billy Horschel and uh, Zach Johnson – and not going to turn up and some of the other, you know, try, died in the walls aren't going to turn up. If I'm a young fella and, you know, my opportunity to play in that event is predicated by those guys not going there, like if, a, I, you know, I don't know if a Corn Ferry player gets elevated into that event or, or, not, or not, I'm, I'm waving goodbye to those guys and saying, bugger off, I'll take whatever comes my way in terms of the crowd behaviour and, and play whatever is dished up to try and get my shot at hitting that ball over the 18th dam and uh, having a shot to make a birdie on the last to win. Um, mm. if, if, the, if the guys that have been doing it for 21 years don't want to keep coming back, go. But you can't, it, you can't tolerate the same level of behaviour. You know, it's, it's unacceptable behaviour in any circumstance, any well, public arena. It's not acceptable, but I don't think they're going to be able to Without blowing up, blowing that thing up, and pulling the stands out, and limiting the people, and not having anything of what they do, assuming that they're going to keep that sort of vibe, they're going to have to put up with some level of disruption. There's going and, to be alcohol and, involved, and there's going to be behaviour yeah. involved. Maybe not at the same level. If they don't like it, bugger off. Let the young fellows play. Yeah, no, that, that's fair, Roscoe. I think the the tour are a bit they're a bit screwed because. If they do try and pull it back, then whilst there's competition from live and there are there is this comparison happening, they'll be seen to be oh the old fuddy duddies you know <laughs> spoiling everyone's fun and oh it's just you know an old man's tour. If they started to try and re- rein it in a little bit, they'll be accused of being backwards and old timers, um, you know, in, in, at any level. And, and um, so I think I think they're kind of in a tough spot. Um, that they've just got to try and manage it on site from here on, and and you know um, try and get it under control in some way. But 
anything that is going to be a PR nightmare for them or like very obvious, you know, and them trying to tame it down, I think will be a PR nightmare for them. The point, the point that sticks out for me is all this other discussion on how the tour keeps elevating itself, how it becomes a truly engaging entertainment package for people on course but for people viewing from around the world, which we've all been sort of niggling away and complaining about at various levels for a good chunk of time now, it relies on the player participation. Um, clearly, <laughs> you know, I don't think we're going to get that stage to that stage with a lot of these players. You know, they don't want to. They don't want to participate at that level, i.e., being mic'd up, having caddies mic'd up, having conversations heard, and trusting that the broadcaster are going to filter the stuff that shouldn't be heard mm. out and the stuff that is worthwhile hearing out. All of these things that loads of people like us have been talking about. It's clear. I, yeah. don't, I just don't think they're going to ever get that buy-in from the senior group of players and the younger group of players. I'm not sure that they're, they're the ones that are going to move the needle, so they're probably not going to get the chance anyway. Like if they do get mic'd up, not many people want to hear from them because we don't know who they are. Um, it's a real, it's a real conundrum for you know this product of PGA Tour on a weekend when there's a sporting event. Not comparing the Super Bowl to the PGA Tour, but there's a sporting event that was the second biggest thing watched in America in the history of people watching stuff in America or, or something like that, you know, monumental amount of eyeballs over that 49ers and Kansas City Chiefs game. Mm. Um, people want to watch stuff. People want to hear, you know, I'm, I didn't watch the Super Bowl. Did you want to watch the Super Bowl, would you, Scott? Super I did. I did actually. I watched. I watched the la, the the last half of it. Yeah, um, it was it was amazing. It was a great spectacle. Mm. Um, I was watching the golf. I was kind of out doing some stuff and had golf um, going in the in the background, and I could hear the commentators saying, as the longer it went on, like, you know, oh, it's still you know, it's <laughs> nil all in the, in the in, it's, it's in the a, Super Bowl. So there's still reason to hang around and watch us. And you know, it's only three nil over there. So, you know, nothing. You're not missing anything yet. Just uh, hang hang five. Well, you know, we won't be long. <laughs> but did that sort of hit any chords? You know, like the way that this PJ tool. I guess with all of this change and this nine billion, however many billions of injection and player equity, and I don't know what equity is um, for players. You know, like they can't sell, they can't sell their equity. Um, does it make sense that uh, you know they're in a bit of a tough spot with you now this high and this highlights it to to make a product that is going to help keep golf in the eyeballs of the entertainment world, sports entertainment world. I, I just think they're in a difficult spot. Challenging spot. Yeah, and, hands, and hands is, might be tight a bit. Yeah. Well, yeah. Anyway, uh, enough on enough on that. Um, uh, we probably won't see Zach Johnson there next year. But he can. Yeah, he's your captain. He is your captain of Team USA. I'm glad he's Mate, not. With any luck, we won't see Luke Donald either. But um, <laughs> anyway, he, uh, uh, people, go walk over hot coals for Luke Donald. I, I, when I get <laughs> when I'm in Scotland and they put the coals out and they say, "Let's have the Ryder Cup European coal walking seminar," I'll be there, Scott. I'll be there. I'll be you know, truth be told, Roscoe, I actually don't didn't mind Luke Donald until last week when uh, I could see that you you actually liked him and I just ribbed you a little bit and it and it worked. So I think I'm just going to carry on with a bit. That's no, fine. I can take that. I can take that. I won't have to worry about the Zach Johnson Cole walking ceremony because it was not going to happen because he won't be there. He'll get the sack. Um, anyway, um, sorry, we'll move on. Uh, what was next? There's some other golf uh, that we had. We had the well, uh, maybe. Big event this week. So we do have a signature event uh, this week. So heading to the Genesis Tigers 
Tigers tournament and he's back. He's in the field. He's got new clothes. We'll cover that Damn. in a little bit. But, but yeah, we're off to the Riv, the the very famous Riv, uh, Riviera. So this is a great course to watch golf being played on. Um, plenty of uh, challenging holes, plenty of opportunities. Um, they're hosting the 28 Olympics coming up here at the Riv. They're also hosting the US Open, the Women's US Open in 26, and then the Men's US Open in 31. So you know this course already has a lot of history and over the next 10 years it's going to it's going to forge another strong historical um, storyline so uh we're missing the defending champ though Johnny Rahm he's over at live um looks like we might get a little bit of rain on the weekend here as well so the weather's playing a little bit of havoc with the PGA tour at the moment but um but as I said greater venue um great venue is always tons of drama feel the famous holes people might remember we've got a bunker in the middle of the green on the par 3 6 so that's always fun to watch. Um, we've got one of the most famous and controversial short par fours in golf in the 10th, very drivable, but then it's always fun watching the different players and their strategy on those holes and depending on the where, you know, where the game's up to and where they're, where they're sitting on the leaderboard. So, um, How do you play 10, Scott? How would I play? I'd probably just get up there and hit driver. <laughs> yeah. I know Roscoe would. Roscoe would put it to 15 feet, I reckon. Uh, that's that's the one with the tree uh, front left and the brankery sort of um, stuff Very down. Very narrow bunker. Yeah. Very narrow green with a bunker on each side and you see him play tennis a bit. Yeah. Mm. Yep. Might go with my little 21 degree you would and just leave myself with a seven iron in, something like that. I've probably got more chance of hitting it closer than putting a pitching wedge in my hand on current form, to, to truth be told. <laughs> oh, dear. Um, yeah, well, it's a great tournament. It's one that we... One of the one of the ones that we love to watch, and uh, you know Riviera with all of the you know stately homes and Pacific Palisades in that sort of uh, western sort of quarter of Los Angeles, out towards the uh, the water there. I don't know the the suburbs in and around uh, Los Angeles, but it's I think the players love going there. Tigers yep. Tigers home home turf, so to speak, and uh, and Tiger will be playing and. Yeah. What a great but, marketing initiative. Uh, sorry, we'll get to the SDR. Fun, fun. SDR, yeah, Sunday Red. So funny enough though, Roscoe, so this is uh, this has got a ton of history, but it's also one of the only courses where Tiger and Jack, neither of those guys have won it, have won at this course. So it's eluded the two greatest players probably ever um, from a victory. So who knows if Tiger can get the job done today. He looked very jacked. And ready to go today, but uh, but yeah, I mean, you can't. I guess, I guess you, you can't pick Tiger this week, can you? Let's see how many people pick Tiger in the Teepster. That'll be that, fun. That will be interesting. I think Tiger Tiger Woods mania might hit sweep Teepster through. Um, no, I I would almost go to say he's not going to miss the cut. He's not going to make the cut. Well. Is, if he doesn't make the cut, he's playing pre- pretty horrible golf. Because oh, there's no uh, cut. Sorry, that's dumb. No, no, Sorry. no, 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 no. There is a cut. There, there is, is a cut. cut. See, he insisted on the cut. But how's oh, this? The rules oh. for the cut this week, Roscoe. Yeah. So there's, uh, what, 80 players in the field? Yeah. 80? Uh, yeah, 80. I think it's 80. And the top 50 make the cut plus anyone that's within 10 shots of the lead. So that's that's like a Tiger rule for this that's the rule. That's the cut rule for this tournament. So top fifty and ties, plus anyone who is ten shots from the leader. Oh, everyone's on, everyone could be playing. It's a bit weird, isn't it? It is. Anyway, uh, us, okay. Wouldn't it be funny if they like everyone was within ten shots? <laughs> well, imagine like there's like 
two or three guys that miss out. <laughs> that could be fun. <laughs> I still don't think Tiger will make the cut. Uh, anyway, sorry. I hope he does. I hope he does for the good of the game. I'm, that's not Tiger bashing. I'm a Tiger fan. No. But, but I'm just not sure that he can turn up and get caught. This, um, this was the scene of Tiger's first ever professional event as a 16-year-old at this course. Yep. Uh, what, what apparel was he wearing then? Fun fact, what was he wearing back then? Was he... Not Sunday red. Was he wearing Stanford gear? I don't know. Probably was. Uh, who do you fancy? There's a few good players in the field though, Roscoe. Yeah, a few there good is. players and a few, a few good players that have played well here uh, quite a bit. So we've got Max Homer. He's got to be one of the top picks. Um, can he bounce back from a missed cut last mm. week in the desert? don't know. But he's definitely got form here. He won it. Uh, what two or three um, versions ago? So, uh, so he's got to be in and around. Um, I think Scotty Scheffler for me. Uh, he's my pick. Just getting ahead of the teamster picks. That's who I'm backing. Um, JT's in good form. He doesn't play too bad on this side of the the uh, the coast. Sam Burns had a good week last week. We've got Cantlay's in the mix. Morikawa, Rory's in form. Adam Scott. You know Scotty's earned more money at Riv than anyone else on tour. He's the highest earner at Riv. He won it in 2020. But funny enough, he's in on a sponsor's exemption, Roscoe. Mm, yeah. So he actually didn't qualify through that top 50 of the FedEx Cup last year into the the uh, signature event. So he's in on a sponsor's exemption. We've got Tony Finau. He's obviously got a bit of history here. He plays well. Sahith, Victor, J. Day, Ludwig, Wyndham. All the big names are here. Uh, I'm going to pick Jordan Spieth this week. <clears throat> okay. Hmm. I like that. Pilts, are you going to declare or are you going to be undeclared? I need someone. I need a win because Scotty would have to look right down the bottom to find me. Um, <laughs> so I might splash out on a big name and just hope they make top five. So I'd be looking at Scotty or maybe Morikawa. Yeah. Um, just need need some money in the bank. Mm. Yep. Uh, Spieth or yep. Rory for me. Spieth or Rory. Uh, there you go. All right. Uh, okay. Hang on. What's it going to be, mate? Yeah, Spieth or Rory. It's only Tuesday. <laughs> I flip-flopped 75 times between now and Wednesday. I'm writing it down on Google Docs, so it's in. Ah, uh, Spieth. Spieth. Mm. Thanks very much. Uh, thanks, for your, thanks, thanks for your direction. No uh, problem. Now, Tiger's going to be wearing this Sunday red SDR. SDR, yeah, big launch today in LA, mate. You got, um, I'm just going to glitz and glamour. I was just going to say, you got allocated the task of sitting through the hour presentation with uh, Tiger, David Abelis, and the uh, other yep, young the lady. The tailor-made head honchos were all there. The, whose name I can't, I can't remember. But uh, give us a synopsis on that, um, the launch. Well, it was a very typical big brand launch event, Roscoe. You'd be familiar with those. You've been to plenty of those. There's glitz, the glamour, there's a lot of lighting, there was some smoke, there was some sizzle videos, and there was a CEO up on stage for about an hour. Um, so the sizzle videos get me excited, but a CEO on stage for, for that long um, never really gets the, uh, the crowd going. But... Um, but it was all pretty impressive. Uh, it looked like a, a great event. It got some great coverage with, um, I think they had the right people there from, you know, golf coverage and social media. Um, I was watching the live stream of, uh, uh, Custo. So he, he's, uh, Jacques Slade is, um, is actually a sneaker YouTuber from back in the day. He's the OG sneaker YouTuber. So he unboxes, um, sneakers on YouTube, been doing it for a long time, but he's now, 
focusing more on golf and golf content and that kind of stuff. So, so he was there, he was doing a great live stream. Um, and, uh, yeah, I mean, I, just going over the, the logo, sorry, the name Sunday red. So if people have seen it, then you'll notice that it's split into three parts It's sun day red, three separate words. I think that's a little bit weird. The explanation I thought they gave was a little bit weird as well. Apparently tiger, uh, likes to talk in threes. If they say, how do you approach a, you know, a tournament? He'll say, well, I train hard, I practice, I, I train hard, you know, I, I, um, I eat well and I, and I play hard. And so he's always listing these three, three things in response to questions or just how he thinks and talks. So um, Taylor made have run with that and split Sunday into two words and come up with three. So pretty interesting. Um, SDR, I think we'll see SDR around as well, just the uh, the initials. So there's some apparel there with a the script, that uh, that name on it. Um, doing there, maybe, who knows. Uh, but it's got 15 stripes, this Tiger Roscoe. What do you think the 15 stripes represent? 15 majors. 15 majors. Now I've got one question for you, Ross. Mm. What do they do when he wins a 16th? They <laughs> uh, put some whiskers on. I could not believe that the actual answer that the CEO of TaylorMade gave was, we'll make a new logo. Yeah. Like, <laughs> Probably, uh, I think I, that's a pretty pretty average plant, don't you? Like, you, you, I mean, Roscoe, you've been in big brands. Like, you, you know, coming up with a logo is not just like, hey, Jim, can you, you know, draw, draw us a picture of a tiger with like, you, like you don't just like make it up in the back, in the back room. Um, there's lots of hours and resources gone into putting in, putting together a logo. So I just can't imagine that that is um, a sound plan, in my opinion. What I also can't understand, Ross, is that how Tiger has signed off on it. Like, is that him saying, well, I'm not going to win another one, so, yeah, lock that logo in and that storyline, like, well, I'm not, you know. He's, is he just admitting that he's not going to make or is he, is he just that hard of a worker that'll go through the process to make a new script font that's come straight out of the computer? I don't like the SD Sunday. There's too many things that don't make a lot of sense to me. Um, but what doesn't make the most sense to me based on your point is I've spent the last year and a half standing on a number of driving ranges at professional golf tournaments with a full swing kit when the whole lineup has got Trackmans and uh, GC quads with a full swing kit, two of them, going, this is the one that was made for Tiger by Tiger because he's an investor in full swing golf, as he is with TaylorMade, um, which a lot of people still unaware of, but I believe he is an investor in TaylorMade, uh, and basically saying it wasn't released until Tiger was happy with it. And that's the some premise of the marketing. It didn't come out because Tiger wasn't happy with it until he hit a three-iron that went 210 yards and he could look back and see 210, it wasn't going out. And now it does, so have confidence in it. Extrapolate mm. that into what you see there, SDR and the Tiger. Uh, you're right. How did he, how he – he must be really, really happy with it. But for me as a, as a brand and marketing person, not an expert, uh, I, think, I think the Tiger – I, all, you know what I, all I can see? You can see Slashinger. You know all I can see? And it was relevant to Charlie Hoffman. Charlie Hoffman walking around with the big shark on the back of his um, polo shirt, the Greg oh. Norman apparel. To me, that's 
that's just another version of the big shark. You know, if you roll back to Greg's logo, it was almost like those Ken Doan, different colours and the different lines. I, I, I just, it doesn't look like it, of course, but it just reminds me of a tiger and a shark and a motif and, you know, former world's greatest golfers making a whole load of money out of selling it. Fine. Good yeah. luck to them. And 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 them coming up with the ideas and they're not like brand marketing brains, right? Like they're, they're golf brains so Tiger knows how to hit a golf ball really well all of the time but coming up with like the right logo and the right name, I think he's been sitting on this name for over a decade. The Twitter handle or the X handle, Sunday Red, has been around since 2010. Mm. So – I reckon he's been sitting on this for a long time and had in the back of his head that he wants to do his own apparel brand one day. Um, and so they secured that that Twitter handle back in 2010 and he sat on it and uh, and here we are and TaylorMade are doing what probably every other brand and, you know, what Nike did for a long time. Yes, sir. No, sir. Sorry, sir. Thank you, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, Tiger. No, Tiger. You know, you're right, Tiger. Yeah, no, that's a great name, Tiger. We should definitely do that, Tiger. I love that logo, Tiger. Tiger. Oh, 100%. So, 100%. Yeah, like and maybe that is the version of the full swing kit, you know. That's it. That's all I want. That's what I've been, in, you know, going to sleep with in my mind for 15 years. Make it happen. And then, yeah. you, get, then you get that response. Yeah, you know, is it unbackable? Yeah, you know, is it just bound for success regardless what it says? Well, regardless, yeah, you know, we are talking about a font, like big deal. Is it just going to be? Is it going to work? You, you know, do we get too caught up in it because you know we're probably a little bit more into that manners and municipal and you know you like your sneaker culture and whatever else and you know Pilts has represented every brand that's come out, new brand that's come out in Australia for the last five years. Uh, are we a bit too close to that sort of stuff when we're looking for something a little bit more funky, a little bit more edgy, a little bit more cool, a little bit more, you know, non-mainstream? You know, I've been surrounded by, you know, Footjoy, Puma, Adidas, all that mainstream stuff. And, and so a truckload of golfers come in and want to look like whoever's representing, you know, want to put that look together. Is it just, yep. another, is it just another version of that or are we expecting to be a little bit cooler? Yeah, I'd, maybe, maybe, I don't know. It's um, it's going to be interesting to see how, like as you said, mate. People are going to buy it. It's going to sell. It's going to be mildly successful at the very least. Um, but I think it, yeah, it could have been. It could have been a little bit better. I actually don't mind the tiger logo, um, on the hat and on the glove. Like I actually think that it actually looks okay. It looks a lot like actually Michael Jordan's private golf club in. Uh, Florida called Grove Twenty Three. They have a another kind of um, panther type logo that looks very similar to this. So, um, but you know, slightly different. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't know. I think the fifteen stripes are like a little bit too. This is us getting too picky. Roscoe bringing in that brand, <laughs> brand marketing space for a little while, but I think it's just too obvious a, a story. You know, um, for the logo, they called it an Easter egg. That's not an Easter egg. It's like right out in front of your face. There's 15 stripes. He's got 15 majors. Like that's a very, it's a very simple man's connection to make. So I don't know. I thought it could have been a little bit more clever, but it's Tiger. Um, I guess my main takeaway is that, yeah, it's 
you know, the apparel, he's doing hoodies, he's doing uh, mock necks, polos, camo print. He's done a ton of camo print over the years. It's obviously red hats, gloves, head covers, and footwear is the big surpriser. But aside from the footwear, we'll come to that in one second. But to be honest, to me, it looks a lot like the gear he's worn for a long time, just without a swoosh. Yeah. Um, so I don't think it's going to be too many shockers in there. Well, what I do know about the brand that he wore for a long time uh, when it had the TW logo on it, it sold very well. People, regardless of what you think it looked, it wasn't wasn't what I would wear. Yeah, you know, when it came into the golf shop, I don't think I've got any Tiger, uh, any Nike, but slash Tiger Woods pieces in the uh, the wardrobe there. It just wasn't my sort of thing. But mm. uh, but I know it was a whole stack of people's thing, and uh, it just came in and went straight back out. So, yep, who knows. Who knows? Um, footwear. Is we'll, going, uh, will sorry. this be available to the average punter? Readily available? Yeah, it goes online May the 1st. So it's available May the 1st on sundayred.com. Uh, it's going to be a pure DTC strategy via that, that e-com site, I think, to begin with, they said. So whether it goes out into the broader retail landscape after that, Pulse, I'm not sure. You've got to imagine that, it, that it's going to. Um uh, but yeah, May the first. Also, interesting timing. I mean, why wouldn't you? Why wouldn't you get it out on April first? Month earlier. Like, yeah, month earlier, and, and get it out there for the masters. Like that feels like a bit of a miss. Uh, I mean, yeah, yeah. Who knows? I'm with you, Roscoe. And I had this as one of my questions, and about eighty percent of the people thought that the logo was ordinary, but people are talking about it. Yeah. So any publicity is good publicity. So maybe they're um. Maybe they're steering into the skid a bit and allowing people to have the conversation about it. I want to give a shout out to my colleagues uh, at Drum and Golf Stores all around the country uh, who will be absolutely inundated at the moment with people walking up to the counter going, when are you getting Sunday Red in? Is that coming to the Drum and Golf? Will it be here in time for my golf trip? Uh, can I get it logoed for my uh, corporate uh you know, golf society, uh, they will be inundated uh, right about now. And uh, my thoughts out to them uh, as they deal with uh, the inquiry about something that they probably don't have a whole heap of information about. Maybe they do. I haven't been in the store for a long time. But, uh, yeah, uh, good luck to all the people dealing with um, uh, with that. Um, yeah. Well, as a bit of a retail nerd, Roscoe, I would love to hear next week I would if you could speak to any of those drum and golf guys and hear yeah, some of the yeah. stories or just like get some anecdotes on we'll how many people are asking that would be would be fun. We'll do. Uh, we'll do indeed. Uh, okay. Well, that's our, right. that's our digestion of Tiger Tiger's new SDR. Um, good luck to you, Tiger, and uh, good luck to David Abelis. Um, should I... Is it inappropriate to do my David Ableist impersonation that I regard you with? I probably won't well, do it. I mean, there's, I guess, there's a very small chance he's listening, so I probably wouldn't do that. But no, I'm not uh, going to do that. No, I'm not going to do that. <laughs> uh, David Ableist, who was on alongside there in the um, the press conference that you listened to for an hour, listened to for about five minutes. Uh, he, I have did have a visit from David Ableist one day in the uh, golf shop, and he's a very nice man. Very, as you saw him on that press conference, you know, like in person, that's exactly what he's like. I met him twice. Uh, He's just one of the most passionate, dyed-in-the-wool, tailor-made people that I've ever met. And um, 20 years he's been there? Yep, 20 years. Uh, the building at the uh, tailor-made head office is named – was not named, but it was opened by David Abelis. So if you're wondering who he is, you know, he gets around. He, he doesn't sit in the ivory tower and just, you know, push the buttons. He's He gets out into the antipodes and, uh, you know, comes out and visits the stores and talks to the people and, you know, he's, he's out there uh, – 
so he can do this sort of stuff. So, um, you know, that's my two bobs worth of an insight into the man. If you did tune in, who is he? What does he do? What's his background? He gets out there into the real world and uh, walks the walk. Uh, David Ablis, um, congratulations. I uh, reckon look, his, his Korean bosses will be very happy yeah. with, uh, with today and uh, the future of that that brand, Roscoe, the old uh, private equity firm that owns uh, t- TaylorMade. But anyway, hey, while we're talking about Fairway Fits and apparel. Oh, yeah. Um, Fit of the week. I just want to I just want to say, Roscoe, like I'm I'm worried about Minwoo. I'm really worried about the Lulu fit from Minwoo. It has been so Barry Basic in the first three or so events that he's been wearing. I will be very disappointed if he doesn't come come in hot with a mock net neck or something from Lulu that is connected to his persona, you know, coming up. Is that a mock neck? Is that or is that a that a quarter zip or something? Oops. It looks is it? it it's a quarter zip, but it looks like Thorpe's swimsuit. The zoot suit. The, the zoot, zoot, yeah. zoot suit circa two thousand. Mm. I you, you know must what? be comfortable wearing it, but as Victor says, they're paying me a lot of money to dress like this, so I'll do it. But yeah. It's interesting, yeah, Scott. It's interesting. But, I I am a fan of the block sort of colour way looks. Uh very rarely do I get into anything with any sort of pattern on it. You know, that's a bit of an outrageous statement for me when I do. I don't mind the block, um, but I think we're used to seeing Minwoo in that Korean brand, I forget the name of it, um, which was a little bit loud. Um, yep. It's going to be interesting to which, see, see what happens. Yeah. Because they're very – you have to take – do you take your hats off to Lululemon for their activation, ambush marketing, whatever you call it, that they undertook for – the waste management. Do you think that was totally. clever? That was clever. Oh, yeah, it was fantastic. Yeah, yeah there are two hundred people, two hundred employees there in in the chef hat, and and like got some great attention. Hundred percent. Like the, I'm not saying that it's not a knock on Lulu for me so far. It's a knock on the partnership and and the the relationship. You know, the the like just the disconnect between the Lulu positioning as a brand and. Min Wu's positioning as a brand, I, I I don't see that as a match. I could be totally wrong and mm. proven to be totally wrong and they come out with just amazing fits, outfits, new silhouettes, everything. Um, but I am worried that that's not going to happen and that Min Wu loses a little bit of his flair in terms of like how he shows up on the course. So there's two schools of thought and if you're listening and you find this boring, I apologise, we'll, we'll move parsley, but because it's this sort of area that Scott and I have sort of worked in and sort of around. I want to sort of hypothesise around it. But do you bring Minwoo in as the asset that he is, as the attention-seeking golf phenom that he is, and then work into his persona over a period of time? But once you've got him, you know, you can start putting him in the gear and then build looks and lookbooks around you know, what we expect Minwoo to be looking like and what maybe Minwoo would prefer to be looking at and let the let the brand sort of move in? Or do you come out and go, bang, you know, here's the Minwoo partnership, here's the Minwoo lookbook, it's way different to what we've ever done and risk upsetting, you know, confusing people. I don't know, you know, there's two schools of thought there. Yeah, Get him in, get him out there, he looks great. You know, you could dress him in anything and he's going to look magnificent. Um, and then massage the look and, you know, work your way into the golf space because... Yeah, they've not really been in the golf space 
wholeheartedly thus far, but mm. there's very clearly going in there. You know, we can see that. Um, you know, maybe that's what I'd, I'd do. I say, let's get Minwu in. Let's take his feedback. Let him own what we're trying to do here and and let's work a look around it. And by the time we get to that point, you know, because as we spoke about before, you know, we've already ordered in the golf shops what we're going to see for next winter. We've already ordered that. So there's a big runway. Um, do we do we sort of work towards that? I don't know. There's a couple of ways to sort of think about it. We don't know the execution. If someone wants to tell us, please feel free. free. <laughs> yep. No, you, you're right, mate. Different approaches. I mean, um my 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 take is they're coming in looking like everybody else and they had an opportunity to come in and look fresh and different and new and match his persona and mm. they haven't done that so far. Uh, they went slightly tanimal at the start, didn't they? <laughs> they went a bit tanimal yeah. and they haven't moved too far left or right of tanimal, uh, a little bit of grayimal. Um, there, there you go. Uh, Pultz, what are you, you know, you're fashion fashionista of this group you know you're representing and talking to emerging australian brands so what are you saying trend wise i just like that there's an element of going away from the norm and i know we're talking about minwoo fitting right into the norm but jason day going to melbourne um and minwoo going to um lulu they're not necessarily traditional brands it's a bit different to tailor-made for joy nike so i like that there's an element of point of difference there but you're right scott he has just gone safe with the block colors and it's not necessarily him i don't think um but it's like looking at full swing last year with morikawa it's whatever you're comfortable with and mm. he's obviously comfortable with that and I, from what i can gather victor doesn't necessarily love what I think it's jay Lindbergh do for him but as he says they pay me a lot of money so i'll do what they want yeah um i i tend to find clothes that hide the dad bod as much as possible. Um, Minwoo hasn't got that issue, so he, he's in better shape and much better at hitting a ball with a stick, so he can do what he wants, I think. I'll give you a little insight into Jay Lindeberg. Uh, we've sold a lot of it in the Melbourne store and a lot of it to some overseas um, clients or, or, you know, Korean market, Chinese market, and we would go very much with grey, blue, black, you know, the block colours that, Jay Lindbergh probably built their brand around, you know, they had the bridge logo across the chest or on the back, but fairly sedate. You know, they've got a unique, yeah, I guess they've got a Lindbergh fit. It's very slim, um, certainly not in the dad bod um, sort of cut. There's no dad bod uh, model pulls for UI and well, definitely not Scott. He's a clothes horse, Scott, down below. But um, we lent into sort of that very sedate. 120 $130, $150 polos. And uh, a customer came in and said, hey, Ross, uh, one of your other stores down the road has got all of these wacky colours. Uh, every time I go in there, they're selling through them, they're sold out, I can't get it. Can you get some wacky colours in? I.e. the looks that you see uh, their players wearing. So we went wacky colours, oranges, greens, all of those stuff that you see, and it went through the roof. It went nuts. We had one guy, I remember uh, we had... The hyper color, the the block triangulated colors. It was blue, red, white, and black. All the triangulated polos, matching polo and pants. And we got like three pairs of pants and, and a small, medium, large, extra large of the polos. This guy wanted it that much. He tried it on. He put it on. He wouldn't take it off until he walked around the shop like he, he did his whole shopping and he just wanted to wear it out of the shop almost. It was like this matching patchwork quilt of Jay Lindeberg, orange, blue, black, red, white. He just loved it that much. And we were like, 
oh, well, we're clearly not the best decision makers here. We need to get some help of making choices around this gear. And again, I go back to, you know, you've got guys in golf shops like me trying to be the experts and we're so far from the experts. You know, we know how to fit golf clubs and we know how to help you, you know, hit a drive, what loft to put in your drive and what's sharp. But, you know, don't ask us to be fashion experts because uh, many of us are far from it. Many do a great job, but that was a learning. The, the Jay Lindeberg example was a very big learning for me. Again, boring for a lot of people that tune in week in, week out, but, uh, you know, we might turn this into another uh, cart path only. We might go down the brand uh you know, you might get someone from the brand world on Scott for a cart path only. Yeah, well, I mean, funny you say that, Roscoe. There's been uh, there's been some reaching out, so uh, so who knows? Let's Good. see. Okay, if you are listening, first episode you... of that was tremendous. With Sid. It was fantastic. More, oh, please. Thank you, mate. Well, more Cart Path Only uh, coming at you. Um, very good. Uh, if you want yep. to be on Cart Path Only with, say, yours truly, Scott Carter, with me just doing the ones and twos, pressing the record, and that's about it. I didn't even do ones and twos on the first one. I, You're I not did even nothing. There, mate. I did nothing. No. I had You're no, in the rough. no part of it. Um, not any, no claims. Uh, <laughs> anyway, good. Uh, Riviera, Pultz, who are you going with? You're uh, going with um, Scotty Scheffler. You're going double M with Scotty Scheffler. I'm going with uh, Jordan. Good luck to everyone. Uh, what was next? We had some uh, DP World Tour. We had some Australia. We had some Live Golf. Uh, we had some LET Golf. Now, we don't usually talk about LET, but just to cover it off very quickly, uh, Shannon Tan was the mm-hmm. winner on the LET. It was in Kenya. It was her first event on the LET. Now, when we were waiting, Scott, I don't know if you remember, for the um, briefing at the uh, Pro-Am. Yep. At Vic- Vic Open, we were standing around the side there and I had a very quick chat to Momoka Kabori, uh, yes. Simon Priest, who, Priest, who was her caddy and uh, used to work at Latrobe Golf Club and, you know, quite well known around the Melbourne sort of northern rivers, uh, north side of the river golf scene. Had a quick chat, Momoka, great to see you again. How you been? L.E.T., great you got back onto that, fantastic. Still working with Dom, she's not working with Dom, great. And she introduced me to this young lady uh, who was very quiet, very quietly spoken. We didn't have a lot of time to have a chat. She she looked like she was in like a button-up sort of loose fit, sort of almost like a Hawaiian shirt to play golf in. Oh, this is Shannon Tan. She just qualified for LET, first year, rookie, yada, yada, yada. G'day, Shannon. Best of luck. Might see you in Europe some stage moving across there, blah, blah, blah. She goes out and wins. First up yeah. on the LET. Young girl from Singapore, fantastic, absolutely fantastic. Well, yeah, I'm glad you called it out, Roscoe, because uh, we did we did shout her out when she turned pro in January yep. and then in her first event came second in the Murray River yep. um, tournament and then she went on at that Vic Open and placed fourth and now she's won. So in her first event on the LET, she's the first Singaporean to ever win uh, an LET event. So... Her career is off to a great start and going to love watching her and how she progresses, but um, she's obviously a top talent for sure. Uh, the only thing I want to know, subject to that long, drawn-out story of how I got to have a very quick chat, does that qualify? Oh, I think any interaction qualifies, doesn't it? Yeah. Pilts, you're the judge. Yeah. Does it qualify Absolutely. for a bit of yep. – did we sprinkle some dust? Yeah. Thank you. Count it. Okay, great. Excellent. Uh, Shannon, up. good luck. I'll see you in Europe. Um, very good. Uh, what was next? Uh, we had the uh, Qatar uh, event. Um, 
well, we got excited because it's the big Baz, Hayden Barron. Uh, he's not a friend of the podcast. He's, we, he's Everyone who plays golf from Australia on our global tour is a friend of this podcast because we will talk about you. We've never interviewed Hayden Barron. I don't know Hayden Barron. I've said good day to him. Uh, he's been on all the other podcasts. Go and listen to him on all of those. But we got excited because he was leading, didn't get the yep. job done, but it's good to see an Aussie, another Aussie who probably not as familiar with, up there in the pointy end of uh, a major tour leaderboard. Any outtakes from... Uh, that event, um, Scott, from your end? No, well, it was good to see two Aussies there, Roscoe, on, on that Sunday night. So Hayden Barron and Harrison Endicott Correct. were both uh, in that final group, I think, um, and very well positioned. They'd played some great golf leading up, but unfortunately both, yeah, just made a few mistakes there on the first few holes and fell behind, um, fell away. But Hoshino took it out uh, with a win by one over Ugo, the Frenchman. Uh, your mate Scotty Jamison came in third, we saw Rasmus Hoygaard have another solid effort finishing up at the pointy end of the leaderboard. Um, and I've got a couple of mates in that leaderboard. I've got, you know, yeah, there were by a few default, Scots, Scott, there. Uh, the, 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 the real Scott Jamison, not the Melbourne City Scott Jamison, uh, up there third, always uh, top Scott uh, on a podium, great. Uh, McKibben, I'm not, not amazed at Tom McKibben, but, uh, you know, another Celt, uh, Northern Irishman. Uh, and, of course, George, Big George, Big George with a capital J, Dr J. Uh, up, there, five. up there, five. A couple of the uh, PGA Tour Europeans sort of came back, so using that advantage to be able to come back, uh, George, one of those. I think uh, Rosner maybe one of those. Uh, who else? Uh, there was someone else um, that was um, doing that. Uh, Pavon, I think, came back maybe. Uh, there you yep. go. Yeah. Uh, you didn't... No, no sign of Tristan Lawrence, Roscoe, which oh. was your tip. I'm sure... <laughs> Did Tristan, he, I mean, did I couldn't play? even find him. Did I don't he think he played in the end, mate, <laughs> WD, before it even got started. And my mate Xander, the man who can spell his name correctly, Xander, uh, finished T16. So yeah, not his best week, but uh, I can see him picking up a W this season. And unfortunately, Mika missed the cut there. Didn't have, yeah, a, did. didn't have a very good couple of days, but he'll bounce back. He will, you know, give a very honest account of himself uh, by all accounts. You know, some of the posts that you've seen, you know, he just said it is what it is. Golf kicks you in the, you know, what's uh, from time to time and uh, onwards and upwards to the next. So, yeah, I guess a bit of mental mastery, you know, you've got to have that approach. You know, you're just not going to win. He's not going to win every week and you probably almost got used to winning a lot last year. Um, but it's uh, another step up in class and uh, he's – He's still doing well and he's out there and he's doing it and he'll front up for the next event. I'm not sure exactly when that is. But, um, yeah, good luck to uh, – you, you missed – you didn't pronounce the second-place winner's um, surname, Scott? No. Do you want to have a crack no, at that? No, no, no. I went, went the safe route on the <laughs> on the, the recap there, Roscoe. Didn't go with Mr. Cassord. I was playing playing uh, paying attention with intent uh, before I did fall – stone asleep on Saturday night. Uh, Cassaud, I think it was. Cassaud? Cassou? Mm-hmm. It was a bit of a, you know, French sort of Cassou. Cassou. Uh, French, okay. I'm not very happy with the French at the moment. They pipped uh, the Scots in the rugby. So uh, at Murrayfield um, wasn't very happy uh, hearing about that. Okay. Um, DP World Tour. Um, They've got to buy this week, yep, Roscoe. They do. For the Genesis. So uh, nothing happening. But I think their next event is in Kenya in, in a week or two. Yep. So. But, uh, mate, the star of the Australian golf tour, Australia, Australasian golf tour, (laughs) strikes again. Kazuma Kabori absolutely Mm. just braining it right now. So third win. Um, 
is actually the first player globally to activate the 70% bonus on the OWGR points for winning multiple times in that in a short period of time there, Roscoe. I don't know the actual lever that gets pulled, but he had a 70% bonus on that OWGR, so that'll uh, I think that they bumps him up about 150 places. Um, but yeah, final round 66 to to get the job done. I mean, just it was a pretty packed leaderboard there on on Sunday, but. He shoots a, shoots a 66 and leaves them for dead. Um, but, yeah, just another very impressive win from, was he, 22-year-old? Phenomenal. We've talked about him a bit. Phenomenal. First year on tour, wins tour school, comes out, three wins, uh, including back-to-back wins. Uh, I think he has sixth place in there somewhere. He is just on fire. Um, yeah. what, a, what a golfer. And according to everyone that's in and around that sort of environment, it's just absolutely blown away by him. We keep talking about it, doesn't hit it that far and all that sort of thing. Doesn't matter because he chips and puts the dots off it, hits his hybrids. I miss. Hits his hybrids yep. into six feet when everyone's hitting an eight iron or, you know, you know what I mean, not quite. But, um, you know, there was a good example on that. Well, I can't remember what hole I saw, but, you know, someone hit it over the water. I think maybe Justin Warren hit it over the water. He was just hitting it short and then a hybrid up and then wedging it on. They're all going for it in two. Uh, doesn't matter. He's it's going to be unreal to see what Kazuma Kabori uh, can achieve in a very short period of time. Talking about Tiger Woods there before, I, I think there was comparisons made, not to him as a golfer, but just the amount of wins he's had in such a short period of time. There's not many right. others There's not many others that have achieved that amount of wins in such a short period of time as a touring professional. Tiger, mm. Kazuma Kabori, and probably not not many others. But uh, any, yep. uh, it was a tough field. You know, Jenny Shin's got many runs on the board. Obviously, it was the WebEx player series with men and women field playing for one event. Uh, come back to that in a second. Uh, Brendan Jones, experienced golfer, jeep is weepers on the, I think the 17th hole with his big broomstick putter left one right on the lip that would have got him a birdie, which would have put him, you know, pretty much in a tie or got him to one closer there or something like that. It was, it was like just left this big broomstick, 40, 80 footer hanging on the edge. Um, yeah, Matias Sanchez from uh, Metro down there. Great to see that young man playing pretty well. He's knocked on the doors for a few years since being a pro. We've Those that have been around his golf, whatever level you know him in Melbourne, uh, know that he's a great golfer and very competent, very capable. So it's good to see him playing a little bit better this uh, year. And Justin Warren, just on the back of his Asian Tour card, Hits it an extremely long way. Good, good bloke, good golfer. Harrison Crow, Jeffrey Guan, James Gibellini. James Gibellini, I don't know anything about James Gibellini, but like he's friends with a lot of players, like a lot of global international players. You know, he's a very good young golfer and sort of went away and has now come back. Um, Kerry Mountcastle. The, the, well, the thing for me is this is the pointy end of the season. They've got uh, the Hunter Valley this week. They then go to New Zealand for the New Zealand Open. And then I think the final event at uh, the National down here, the BMW event at the National. So there's not much to uh, to go. And that uh, OW, uh, OWGR, the Order of Merit is very stacked. Kazuma's runaway winner. But the, the next yep. group of placings, uh, I think you've got Benny Eccles and you've got uh, uh, Jack Carter from South Australia, talked about him before, uh, Kerry Mountcastle's in there and a handful of others that are thereabouts, maybe 30, 40 points between them for those second and third position uh, DP World Tour cards for next year. Yep. Interesting. And I think Benny Eccles is having the week off this week too, by the way. Maybe maybe not. Maybe not. Maybe I could be wrong. Uh, we'll have a look. But they're at the Hunter Valley uh, this week. Hmm. Um, 
I mentioned the WebEx. We got a bit of feedback there, Scott, which I shared with you. Now, we said we weren't going to do an hour and 45, but it's an hour and 28. We'll try and wrap it up. But we got some feedback off someone saying, you guys um, carried on a bit too long. Uh, and we probably gave, I don't know how to say this. The, the man that gave us the feedback was very pointed that he wasn't too supportive of the men's and women's joint events because there are, and I think we had made the point of the depth of the men's field that didn't get a start, were on the reserve list at the expense of uh, having a stack of um, women in the field. And he, I guess what I sort of took out of it is that there's some of the women in the field that, you know, don't play. The scores wouldn't represent top top tier, you know, top of the pointy. I'm trying, I'm messing around this. But, yeah, some of the women, you know, were shooting 80-something. And he said the sentiment was that that's taking up spots from young men who deserve to be in a field like this and earning money and making a living and, you know, travelling all around Australia and, you know, really not earning anything and not having the opportunity to play. And I I pondered it and I said I'm a supporter of the mixed events, I'm a supporter of like the Vic Open strategy and I'm a supporter of it. And I guess what I didn't say was the reason why I'm a supporter of it and you look at WebEx and the fact is without this event being the format that it is, the WebEx Player Series, we don't have it because it wouldn't be a women's event. Without WebEx supporting golf this way and I believe my feedback is that's the tone, the tenure that they will support it when we have this type of event, the fields all in one with the men and women playing against each other. That's that's the genesis of their support and the financial support that they give this tour. Without it, without doing it this way, we don't have that. Without doing that, we've got a far weaker tour. So it's it's a hard one and I know a lot of the players, when you spend a little bit of time listening to them on the range like I get to, I think many of them would rather be playing in men's events and women's playing in the women's events very strongly sometimes around that Australian Open as well. Um, I, we have no allegiance to the PGA. We have no allegiance to Golf Australia. They have no influence on what we do. We're thankful if they give us a press pass and we get around there and we can take some photos and whatever else. That's it. That's it. No one's getting paid. They're not paying. We're not paying them. So I just thought about it and I sought the counsel of a tour player, uh, one that I know very well, and he basically was said, Ross, I know what you're saying, but without WebEx, we don't have this event. Without that event, we're not playing for any money. You know, so what do you, what do we what do we want? We've got to have it. So it's not an answer. It's just the it's just was raised, and um, I just wanted to sort of flap around it and sort of try and make an explanation of of why I do support this. And Scott, I think you did as well. I'm not putting words in your mouth, but I take the point, and I've listened to the tour players, and I think they all say we understand. Um, yeah. Anyway. Um, yeah, no, fair enough, mate. I, and I think that the, the the large point is like without that financial support, like it's got to it's got to be money to stand up a tour, whether that's a, a, a men's tour and a women's tour. You need double the money. Well, that's not available in no. Australian golf. So until we get that kind of backing, um, I guess they've just got to um, they've got to pull together a tour that can be as uh, competitive as it possibly can be, for, and and with the mixed event, and um, you know, I, I'm all for the format to be honest, and I, I don't even know anyone at 
Golf Australia or PGA or anything. I don't. Even, I actually don't even know enough about the format to, or you know, and how many guys miss out or, or girls make the cut because of X, Y. I don't even know how it works. I just like the concept that we've got um, little boys and little girls being able to watch big boys and big girls play golf on TV. Um, you know, on great golf courses around the country. And if that inspires kids to go and play golf, then that's great. And I hope that every single one of those players in the field gets the opportunity to go and earn big money flying their trade that they're obviously very bloody good at and deserve the opportunity to do that. It just isn't in Australia at the moment. Yep. Uh, well said. Well surmised. What I could have, should have said in a couple of sentences, you did. Uh, well done. Uh, Dave, you know, you're a school teacher. You're a leader of young people. You know, you're a golfer of note club champion um what do you think you know how do you think that uh you know this is a supportive way to you know engender the next generation of you know golf support for australia and I, i'm pretty confident in saying that golf australia are very much in this concept and we're not going to see a change away from it you know they, they're positioning themselves as leaders in this space globally uh when other tours sort of stick away from it you know they're really much leaning into this um, strategy is part of their 2025 um, strategy to get more women's golf and participation in women's golf um, at club level and grassroots level. What do you see from, you know, teaching kids and being around kids and influencing this sort of behaviour? I think golf is a very tough sport for kids to get into. If their parents aren't involved or a relative isn't involved, they're not necessarily going to go towards it straight away. Soccer has taken off. There's always AFL and basketball. So, Golf takes half a day, it's expensive, very time-consuming, it's hard to get into. So there needs to be something done like what Scott was referring to, anything to allow kids to gain an interest. Um, it's it's It needs more than just, oh, I'm out of golf because Dad plays there. So junior programs, Golf Australia, I think, does a reasonable job in certain areas, but they're not automatically going to pick up a golf club without you know, following in someone's footsteps. So we're up against it as a sport to get people to give up half a Saturday. Um, I think once you get to high school and you can make a few more choices, then then it's great. But then the, the primary school kids that I teach, no one's really going to golf without being inspired by a relative, a neighbour or a friend. Uh, anything that we can do to change that around, I think is a good thing. Uh, yeah. Okay. Well, I can just reflect on the weekend fields that I saw at the Vic Open. It was very family-oriented. There was a lot of young people uh, uh, that you just described, a lot of older people like me, a whole breadth of, you know, men, women, children following the Vic Open field, you know, which was men's group, women's group, men's group, women's group, men's group, women's group. Um, good good luck to all of the players that are trying to make uh, a living out of playing golf because golf's hard enough without trying to make a living out of it in Australia. So, um you know, my hat goes off to each and every one of them that turn up week in, week out and fly themselves, drive themselves around the country. You know, I see one name here when I look at uh, uh, the list for the Hunter Valley uh, Webex at uh, Cypress Lakes in my hometown backyard. You know, I look at Jay McKenzie. You know, I follow Jay a little bit. You know, he's a full swing golf ambassador. He, which he doesn't get paid for, that means he pays for one at a discounted rate. Um, he's won on tour before. But, you know, he spent the number of his years on tour driving around sleeping in his car, you know, just to get around, just to try and make a buck. You know, he's playing alongside Anthony Choate, you know, who, who shifts his time between 
um, South Australia and Sydney, you know, staying with friends, family and relatives to, to make a living, you know, getting around playing golf, been on tour for years, you know, makes, makes a card. He's the first bloke that when he does make a cut, he turns up in caddies for, you know, the players that have. They call him uncle. He's that well-respected. But, you know, he, he just cracking on and getting getting by with it, you know. Um, good luck to them all uh, is all I can say. Uh, they're at the Hunter Valley this week in Cessnock, uh, Colburn, whatever I call it, Cessnock. The, the, Vin- the Sydney people who like to go to the Hunter Valley to drink some wine call it Picolburn. Uh It's the vineyard area of the Hunter Valley, very visited uh, part of Australia, let alone probably the second biggest visited part of New South Wales outside of Sydney. Uh, that's my hood. Cypress Lakes played there a number of times as a kid. Uh, have the tournament up there. It's hosted by Peter O'Malley, who was from Bathurst, which is miles away, and uh, Jan Stevenson. So they're the host there, and uh, they do a great job. And you know, it's getting to the pointy end of the season. Brett Coletta's the defending champion. If you remember last year, BC had to hang around for a while. I think it was uh, was it Lincoln Tie. I think big Lincoln tie was sort of on a heater there and he whiffed one into the bushes and didn't didn't get the job done at the end and Brett Coletta did get it done. I can't remember if it was a playoff or not. I don't think it was. But anyway, he had to, he had to hang around right until the end. Um, BC could win again. Uh, Jeff Guan could win up there. Uh, Jack Carter could win. Uh, who else could win? I've mentioned it. Kazuma Kabori. Kazuma Kabori could win. And um, there's a whole host of them. Here's one. I'm going to give you a name. To um, I'm going to give you a name, and I wouldn't be surprised if you see him at the pointier end of the the leaderboard. Corey Lamb. Put that in the in the black book. Okay. Yeah, Corey Lamb. Put that in there. Um, Ten. Any feedback from either of you two on uh, the Webex up there at uh, Cypress Lakes? Beautiful part of the world. Hilly, no, not, not, not familiar with uh, not familiar with the course, mate, or or anything. Um, but yeah, getting to the pointy end of the season, we've got just you talked about that leader, the uh, the the uh, order of merit. So Min Wu's actually on top. Kazuma's in second, um, fair bit ahead of Brett Coletta. So he's in third, and then Mika, and then Benny Eccles. But I think once you take out Min Wu and Mika, the top three becomes Kazuma, Brett, and Benny Eccles. So. Um, but Benny Eccles has got Jack Carter breathing down his neck, so hopefully we get a couple of good results for Benny in the the end of the season. He can get that DP World Tour card; would be great. Well, good luck. Uh, also, shout out to Louis Dobler. Um, made the cut last week. His golf seems to have turned around a little bit. Uh, he seems to be playing better. So, I'd like to see Louis, uh, who's half a Scotsman, um, playing well. Love that. And uh, Gaz, his caddy. Uh, good luck to those guys. Ashley Lau. Great golfer. Um, there is another young lady who I'm going to say is going to play well. It is um, Jeepers Weepers. I've written it down and I've lost where, where I wrote it down. Not Rihanna Lewis. Uh, Kelsey Bennett. I'm going to be looking towards uh, Kelsey Bennett as uh, one of the top women in the field, if not the winner. But um, good luck to all of those players. Shame I can't be home. I'll be home up there in a couple of weeks, but I won't be home for this event, so uh, probably have to stick to seeing it on TV. What else, Scott? What else? Anything else that we need to talk about? Live yeah, golf? Yeah, mate, live. live. I mean, we, we missed it. Live Las Vegas. Uh, they had their big event. We got we saw DJ showcasing that he really is the true alpha of live and stomping all over John Rahm and anyone else trying to take his territory. But 
Uh, apparently he didn't pick up a club very much in the off-season, Roscoe, but uh, that obviously didn't hurt his golf. Um, yeah, he, he just <laughs> shut the door on everyone uh, in the that final stretch. Um, Gooch, Taylor Gooch had another another solid result on this particular tour. We have Matty Wolf show you a bit of form. He finished uh, two back from DJ. Then a couple of the other guys that uh, – there was a few guys at the top end of the table that haven't really been playing that well. G-Mac, finally, I Gets think that's win. his one in one in uh, three years performance. So he'll go back to the bottom of the pack next week. Paul Casey and Kokrak um, were up there as well. So, yeah, that, that's good to see a little mix, bit of a mix in the top of the table. Um, interesting to see John Rahm got a little bit upset mm. at uh, a bit of noise there in the background. So I don't know if Did he's he not know close. what he was signing on for? I know, I know. Apparently someone had their phone on loud, Ross, which was probably overpowering the music, I guess. Yeah, but um, I can get I can get why you'd get upset at that. Like you, the murmuring yeah, and the chitter chatter and the I know, I know. It's fair. It's fair. But then you hear that whatever the you know, the Apple you know, probably a Samsung user like me. distinct tone stands out because no one else has a Samsung. Um I can get why that would put you off and you should have your you know Regardless whether you're at the disco live, you have your yep. phones on silent. Uh, anyway. No, that's fair. Fair enough, fair enough. But uh, Brooks and, and the team took out the team event, Smash GC wins. The team all looking very nice in their uh, their Nike footwear, all four of them. So dressing like a team and winning like a team. Pretty decent final group there, Roscoe, on the Saturday finish because of the Super Bowl in Vegas. We had DJ Ram and Bryson. So, I mean, I think anyone would have – signed up to watch that final group on any tour over the last 10 years or so. Would have been pretty bloody entertaining um, golf to watch. Oh, poor old Ripper GC, Roscoe, finishing 10th. What happened on Ken the last Smith. day? Smith. What happened on the last day? Oh, no one no one played any good. Cam was the highest finisher in 20th in the team. Lucas struggled. Um, but, yeah, so they they. Uh, finished 10th, so no good for Ripper GC. Gelling, still te- still Vegas. gelling the team, still gelling the Maybe team. Maybe they were spending too much time on at the, uh, at the slots, mate, or on the strip. don't know. Down the pub for a few palmers and pots, a few leishmans and so. a few uh, chicken palmers. Taking it, a, taking it a show on the strip maybe on the Friday night. A couple of people were at me about the fit of, um, might have been you, Scott, I don't know, the well, Cam, Cam Smith's yeah, fit. Yeah, there might have been a few pictures shared around about Cam Smith and, uh, I mean, we've all had a spare tyre at different points in our life, I guess, around the waist, Roscoe, but so not not to criticise, but I think I said on that group chat, and I'll say it here, I actually think Cam Smith could be the poster boy of the whole uh, C, they don't really care at live anymore crowd. Oh, Scott. Scott. Letting himself go, mate. Look, he's, uh, we talked about the Jay Lindenberg fit, the Original penguin, the Munsing wear has a has a fit as well. It's shorter around here. It's definitely not this Travis yeah, Matthew. Yeah, but like, there was so the same fit two or three years ago, Roscoe, and he was he was ripped. Like he did some work. He he, he was on the podgy side. He did some work, and he talked about the work that he did on his body and his diet, and he got fit and he played great golf. And then he went to live, and now he's maybe. Carrying a few extra, Roscoe. Smithy, not if, playing that great. If you want to reach to out, and, if you want to reach out and get the secrets of the boiled egg, um, 
sort of 16-8 fasting boiled egg only during the sunrise hours, uh, let me know. Uh, it'll shed kilos, it'll burn burn, and you'll have energy, you'll feel full and uh, you'll, you'll get your handicap down to 4.1 within a week. <laughs> oh, dear. Uh, okay. Um, I didn't say too much of Liv. I was trying to look out for Herbie and... Uh, yeah, what I do know is Billy Billy Hewitt's doing a great job on the photos for Herbie and uh, Ripper GC. He's an asset to to those guys. Uh, when I met some people from Live, they did they weren't critical of Ripper GC in particular. They were critical on a number of teams that hadn't put the emphasis on that marketing side of the the Live uh, franchises. Some of them had. I've talked about that in the past. It's good to see um, Billy over there doing some of that work and taking some great shots for the team. Uh, that's going to make them look great in the eyes of uh, their Australian followers and their global followers. Um, should there be absolutely uh, a growing market for Ripper GC in the international world? I don't know. Uh, very good. Well, and who knows? They might get a few few supporters come out and watch as they head to King Abdullah Economic City uh, in a couple of weeks' time. Big Hopefully they do have some Ripper GC fans over there, Roscoe, the line the fairways. Um, but I guess the big question for that event is... Is Anthony Kim going to show up? Is he? To be seen. We, joked, we joked about the non-starters for um, waste management potentially showing up. Did uh, Tommy Fleetwood? He did. Tommy Fleetwood did show up at Live, didn't he? He was there in a hoodie and was there watching a couple of his friends, was he not? Was, is that yep. true? Catching up with some mates. Yeah. yeah. Why not? Do. Yeah. Uh, Nothing in it. Blakey will be on the ground at uh, King Abdullah Economic City. He's a Willie. busy swing for Blakey. Golf Rules Questions podcast, Golf Rules Questions, greatest golf rules aficionado, sub 40 years old in the world uh, because everyone else is a golf rules aficionado is plus 40. Blakey caters to the young market and brings the golf rules to the world. The only man to ever put a time penalty on a golf tour player. He, he was the, the man that created Blandemonium. Uh, when he slapped him with a penalty, that was Blakey. Uh, he'll you be know, there. Roscoe, like when I was talking to him about that, he was trying to keep that pretty quiet. But I think you've mentioned that for the last three or four weeks on the pod. So He needs to be called. <laughs> he needs to be held to the highest account and highest regard for doing that because when all of the other colleagues on all these other tours that are, continue to brush away slow play, He's he's there, and it doesn't matter that it was live. He was there, and he should have been. Apparently, on a... John Rahm was on the clock twice on Sunday, on Saturday. Well, he better watch out if he comes up against Blakey at King Abdullah yes. Economic City. That could be fireworks. El uh, El um, El Fireworko. Uh, but Blake, big swing for Blakey. He's got that. Then there's a couple of Asian Tour events, uh, international series, and then another. There's live Hong Kong Asian Tour Macau. Asian tour someone else, so Blakey's away for a month on the road uh, doing his finest referee work. Uh, there you go. Good luck, Blakey. Yeah, cool. Um, okay. And we that's it. We said we, wouldn't, we said we wouldn't go for an hour and 45. Well, we didn't, Scott. You know what we went for? An hour and 46. <laughs> uh, it's, it's way past. We had a bit to cover. I was a bit late. No, Sorry okay. to everyone. No, it doesn't. Sorry no. to you boys. But... Uh, uh, Pulse? Yeah, no, I don't think we really rambled like we did last week, Roscoe. It Pulse. was good content this week. Pults, you listen to every episode week in, week out. Did we ramble on last week? What do you? What should we stop? Start? And no, keep I love doing? it. I love the combo of you two. There's nothing that Scott doesn't know. It's fantastic. I chuck it on the way to school on the way home, and it's perfect. It takes my mind <laughs> off things listening to you guys. It's like sitting in the clubhouse after a round. I'd like more bickering. That'd be great, but it's just fantastic to listen to. 
You chuck it on the way to school, on the way to home, and it takes you three weeks to get through it. Yeah. <laughs> Love it. I keep talking about episode 275. You're only up to episode 75. You've got long years ahead of this. Uh, I, I did fight. More, uh, please. Thank you very much. I appreciate you coming on and, and listening in. Uh, but congratulations again on your win and uh, can't wait to follow your journey with all the good things that you do in supporting a whole host of people, not just us, but new brands. Um, you're very much a champion of all of them and your young hippo, young son who I get a lot of pleasure at seeing him grow. You know, we've met in person a couple of times when he was much yep. younger and, you know, seeing young kids grow into young young adults or young people, not young adults, but young Little kids into bigger kids. I love I love watching that, and uh, you're doing a great job bringing him into the world of golf. Uh, well done, and uh, Scott. Thank you to you. I was going to say that I did fail. I did have a w, uh, L last week. I said we we're going to do a giveaway. Um, I've been editing videos for. We didn't do that. Did I didn't we? do it. So we'll have to double up on the giveaway. We'll give away more. I've got more to give away, so we'll, we'll give more away. Um, All right. Let's up. do something this weekend for uh, for Riv. Feature event. Okay. Tiger could be in the hunt. Okay. See might. if we get our hands on an SDR hat or something, Roscoe. Maybe. Well, it might have to be an AI Maybe smoke. Not. Who's got who's the highest ranked AI smoke uh, player in the field? There we go. And they can win an AI smoke. And then we've got the tour hat as well. The, the gold chrome tour hat is good for two over par. If I can put a chrome tour into play and have two over par first time, imagine what it can do for proper golfers. Right. People who play and practice and do that sort of stuff. It must be a good ball if I can do that. Uh, there you go. I'm going to leave it at that uh, frivolity. Uh, thank you, everyone, for tuning in. Uh, we do appreciate it. And we will be back uh, next week. And uh, I'm about to leave here, go out and get chastised by my wife, who every week we do this. I go out there, I've hands in the air. Yes, that's another one, 270 something. And she just looks at me and shakes her head and goes, my goodness, I am sick of the sound of your voice. I, I, I can't I can't do this anymore. I don't know how you do it. Anyway, we keep doing it. Uh, thanks, gentlemen. We'll see you next week, eh? See you, Roscoe. Excellent. Thanks, Roscoe. Congrats see again, Pultz. Club thanks, champs. Mate.